0: Lord, you now dismiss your servant in peace, according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Luke chapter 2 Welcome to Canaanbaum Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey featuring segments for devotions and music shared by those who support the teaching of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, the Wells. My name is Tom, glad to be serving as your host for this episode. This is episode number 161. Since we're in the 12 days of Christmas, we'll start with a song shared by Tracy Fedke, In Peace and Joy.
1: i That death is but a slumber.
2: hi it's Pastor Nathan Nass with a short message from God's word today's devotion is titled do not put your trust in princes Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save Psalm 146 verse 3. We should put that verse up on billboards all around our country because that's exactly what we do. We put our trust in princes, in human beings. All around us we see undeniable proof of how we people crave someone to trust in. Think of all the people we raise up as examples and heroes and saviors, as if the future of the world or the Christian church depends on a person. It's no surprise we feel so hopeless and discouraged. What does God say? Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. I give two reasons why no human being can ever fill us with hope. Why not trust in human beings? Do not tr- put your trust in princes in human beings who cannot save. They cannot save. Human beings can't save from poverty or racism or disease. What's the chance they can save from sin and death and hell? Zero. In fact, every person needs saving for himself or herself. Every person you raise up, I can tear down. Everyone is sinful. If you put your trust in princes, you won't be saved. There's a second reason. That same Psalm goes on to say, when their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Psalm 146 verse four. Why not trust in human beings? They are going to die and their plans will die with them. Isn't that the truth? How many great plans have come to nothing at death? In our world, we see exactly what God predicted. Lots of people not saving. Lots of people dying. Have we learned our lesson? Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. In life, we're presented with this contrast. Trust in human beings or trust in the Lord? I hope the choice is obvious. Remember how the plans of human beings come to nothing? The Lord remains faithful forever. That's Psalm 146, verse 6. The Lord upholds, gives food, sets free, gives sight, lifts up, loves, watches over, sustains, frustrates, reigns forever. Remember how human beings cannot save? God did. We couldn't do it, so he came and saved us himself. Jesus kept his laws perfectly. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose to give life. What we couldn't do, God did in Jesus. This is why you can have hope now. Don't put your trust in human beings. Jesus came to fill your heart with his love and forgiveness and hope.
0: Up next, Silent Night, shared by
3: Cross to Glory. From thy holy face.
0: God has made the sky a continuous cause for fascination. It's where we look to for relief. It sustains all life, and it can also bring fiercely raging storms. But I look to the sky with a deeper longing than the parched land yearning for rain. I stare at them with a fuller joy than the forest soaking up the bright rays. I consider with greatest awe what immeasurable power they will soon reveal. My King, no longer mocked or despised by men, but glorious and mighty, the living Lord of all, when he comes again. This is from Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, including those who pierced him, and all the nations of the earth will mourn because of him. Yes, Amen. Our final segment today will be A Sword in the Dark, shared by Pastor Luca Taliano. This is based off of 1 Samuel chapter 24. King Saul did everything he could to earn
4: David's hate. He accused his loyal general of treason, he sent assassins after him, he sent armies after him. David had done nothing to earn this hatred. David became a hunted outlaw. And as Saul hunts him, pretty much anyone with an axe to grind against Saul sides with David. So David's got a bunch of malcontents with him. It's not a good situation. About 600 men claim David as their leader, and they travel with him in the desert. Saul finds out the area David's in, and he picks out three thousand troops to go after David. Now look, 600 versus 3,000? I know where I'd put my money. David doesn't have a hope of standing up against them. David and his men end up hiding in a cave system while David's men are are hunting. They cringe in the back of a dirty, dark cave, hoping they won't be found. Because if they're found... It's going to be a slaughter. They hear all the horses and the men passing by at the foot of the cave. The metallic clinks of armor. The sound of hooves hitting the rocky ground. Wait. They've stopped moving. Is the entire army setting up camp right outside? Someone's climbing into the cave. What's going on? Oh, great. The army's going to use their cave as a latrine. That's fantastic! But through the light that makes it into the cave, the men recognize who this visitor is. It's not just some random soldier, it's Saul. It's the king. It's the one who's been hunting innocent David. It's the person who's caused him so much pain. Saul takes off his outer robe and tosses it over a rock. Look, clothing back then wasn't as practical as ours is today when it comes to, uh, using the facilities. It's just easier to take the outer robe off when doing your business. The men nudge David. There he is, they whisper. God said he'd give your enemy into your hands. Do whatever you think is right. David draws his sword. With all the noise from outside, there's no chance Saul will ever hear David coming. And David's caught him with his pants down, literally. And as David creeps nearer, and nearer. He notices Saul's robe. Wouldn't it be something to just embarrass the king? To just cut a corner of the robe off? To show him just how vulnerable he was? To show him that David could have killed him right then? David smiles and lobs off a corner of Saul's robe. Just like that. And he scurries back to his men while Saul is doing his business. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. His heart smote him. He disobeyed God's commandments. God had given his Ten Commandments about 500 years before this. David had been taught the Ten Commandments growing up. And one of those commandments was, You shall not steal. You shall not take what is not yours. You shall not hurt what isn't yours. And here was David intentionally damaging something that didn't belong to him. Saul's robe. It didn't matter what Saul had done to David. There was never, ever an excuse for breaking one of the Ten Commandments. And what's more, God had chosen Saul to be the king. Yes, God had chosen David to be the next king, but for now Saul was still king. How dare David sin against God by sinning against the one God chose to be king? Wanting to get back at Saul? David had no right. None. How dare he think he was smarter than God? How dare he think he didn't need to listen to God's choice? How dare he? How dare he? And yet, God didn't punish him. Not because God was permissive. Not because God didn't care. God didn't punish David. Because someone else died in David's place. David had seen and taken part in the sacrifices. He had seen the lamb die in his place, pointing ahead to the lamb of God who was coming. David's sin Was already atoned for. David told his men that they wouldn't kill Saul. And David didn't have this mercy because he was so much better than Saul. David had this mercy because he realized he was no different than Saul. And yet God had mercy on him. How could David not have mercy on Saul, too? Saul finished his business. He walked out of the cave with no clue how close to death he came. But that's not the end for mercy. Saul and his men mount up, start riding away, and David steps out of the cave. He calls out to Saul. He confesses that he cut a part of Saul's robe. And he confesses his sin. And then he confronts Saul on his sin. Look, I've done nothing wrong against you. Why are you hunting me? And Saul confesses. He should not be hunting David. Shamed by David. He rides away. He leads his army home. See, Mercy isn't permissive. It confronts sin. But only after it has confessed its own sin. Brothers and sisters, greatness offers mercy. God hasn't given you what you deserve. You deserve what we all deserve. Death. Hell. But in his wisdom... Because of his mercy, God sent Jesus to die in our place, to suffer hell in our place. Now, share that same mercy with others. And this story
0: is true. And our final song for this episode is shared by Branches Band from their CD, Carols, Away in a Manger.
1: crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet hand. The stars in the bright sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus, asleep on the Little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love you, Lord Jesus. Look down from the sky and still. Jesus, I ask you to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in your tender care and take us to heaven.
0: have been listening to Canaan Bound Podcast. For more information, visit canaanboundpodcast.com. We'd like to thank the artist and those who contributed the segments for this episode. You'll find their information on our website. This episode, 161, was first shared in December of 2021. Thanks for joining us, and remember his promised rest.